Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Dice Roll, the queerest half hour podcast on the planet where you ask the hard questions like, Luis Loza, what are you doing here? <gasps> I was in the ceiling hiding the whole time. Oh I, I knew we there was someone. Right? <laughs> oh, wait, uh, I had a quick question. I can swear on this show, right? <laughs> oh, no. yes. Yes. Absolutely. Have you heard uh, me and Ritz? Absolutely. You can. All right. Okay. I, I tried to avoid it, right? but here we go. Butts. <gasps> You can't <laughs> say that, dude. What the fuck? Keep it like R at least, man. Keep oh, your my fucking God. language. <laughs> anyway, hi. Wait, does that mean that I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one that isn't censored this time? <laughs> no, we'll see. You have a track record. I do. <laughs> hey, everybody, um, anyway. it's nice to be here. Hi. Hi. Uh, nice to have you. So I think most people who are listening at this point should know uh, who you are, Luis. But uh, for they? people who, well, I, we talk about you a fair bit. And your name is on some of the books once or twice, you know. Um, but uh, for people at home who don't know you, uh, do you want to do a quick intro and tell them who you are? Okay, I can do that. Also, my cat's here, so you might hear her in the background. <gasps> oh, um, yeah. Guest star. Maybe. Yes. Uh, people at home. I am Luis Loza. I am creative director of rules and lore for Pathfinder over at Paizo. That means is I'm in charge of the setting, basically. Anything that is Lost Omens or rules material, I'm the creative director. I get the final say on that, uh, which is pretty fun. You know, that's, that's not the title I used to have. It's a recent thing. Uh, and I'm excited to be spearheading the Lost Omens setting and, and give you all a, a lot of cool stuff with Pathfinder. Hey. And you've been doing a hell of a good job lately. Um, like yeah, really. The stuff that's been coming out for Pathfinder uh, with all the lore stuff, like especially like recently, oh my god. Um, I don't know if you've like, I, like, actually I say that, but like I know, yeah, the good stuff is yet to come, huh? Every time a book comes out, I know I'm about, I'm, every time a book comes out, I know I'm about to spend a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we here at Dice Will Roll, we talked a little bit about it before um, the, the show started, or, you know, we started recording. Um, whoops. Um, we've been uh, big fans of your work for a long time now. Well, thank um, you very much. Uh, book five of Tyrant's Grasp, I think, was the time we were like, hey, holy shit, this Loza guy is really good. Um, which, spoilers for Tyrant's Grasp, if you're listening to any actual plays with Tyrant's Grasp or playing, just plug your ears and wait for like 10 seconds. Um, but the adventure where you send the heroes from, you know, the grimy uh, Gravelands to Arcadia with, you know, um, was it? I'm I'm gonna mispronounce it. Is it uh, July Spawn? Oh, Holy Spawn! Oh, yes. Wow, I... Holy Spawn is the name of the oh city. Oh god! Oh, how did I whiteify a fictional city name? Uh, oh my yeah. god! The the nation oh. is Sapatl, and the the city is Holy Spawn. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so I got Sapatl right at least. <laughs> <laughs> I think I put in uh, like pronunciation guides in there. And so that's on you. <laughs> There's no one over them. July's about what the fuck was I thinking? Anyway, the point story. is, you sent you sent the heroes to Arcadia, and um, your there's like an Abuelita character, and mm. there's like so much like actual content from like Latin America. And Dave, obviously, you're you were very fond of that, weren't you? Yeah, I'm Costa Rican, and I never get to see that stuff in fantasy ever. Um, I've seen some because I'm also Same. half Filipino, so I get to see some stuff with like Tancha. That's lovely. Um, but I have a whole other side, <laughs> so it was nice to have that uh, content. I had, I think I had made my character 
um our like half of arcadian or something of and, arcadian descent yeah yeah and there was no reason or like po- like i had no reasoning for why i was just like i just like making like characters that are you know like of, of like latino because i am it was destiny and then and then we <laughs> went and i was like oh my god Oh my god. It wasn't just asking me, it was me having the books in advance and me like, this'll be a laugh. You <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're like, oh could I could I make a character that's Arcadian? And I was like, Oh yes you can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that was the first one. I think my first character that was from Arcadia for some reason was I think that was Cielo from Hell's yeah. Rebels. I just wanted to do that. Yeah. And honestly that's uh yeah, you've been like uh, writing that high since. Um, yep, I have. But aside from uh writing uh, fucking amazing books about Arcadia and um as well like just content set around the world uh you also were uh the author of book one of fist of the ruby phoenix which yeah. uh, listeners should maybe be familiar with maybe maybe a little um, right. and that's like um that's gonna be something we're gonna talk about danger island yeah um, this was your baby right kind of um, I was told that <laughs> I know this, is, this is the baby that is Danger Island. It is now your baby. <laughs> adopted. Your adopted child. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> Let them speak. Uh, that's Nova. She's a turd. Um, the, yeah, so I was assigned Danger Island. Well, let me, let me go back a bit. So I work at Paizo, which means I get early access to a lot of information. being part of the meetings where you're deciding what story should we tell in the next adventure path and i was there when we were deciding hey ruby phoenix would be fun and the developer for the the adventure path patrick reaney uh eventually like pitched us on his story on what what he was going to do and he's like i think it should start off with a battle royale style thing on an island as a qualifying round stuff and i thought hey that sounds like a big sandbox and i really like writing sandboxes and it also sounds like the biggest sandbox that there could be other than like Kingmaker. I want to do that. So after we were done with the meeting, I said, hey, if you want someone to write that, that island adventure, I'm your guy. And wouldn't you know, he picked me. Uh, <laughs> so I got to do Danger Island, but he had already come up with that concept of, hey, this is going to be a big island. He ripped off. I mean, he was inspired by uh, Yu-Gi-Oh's, uh, you know, Duelist <laughs> Kingdom stuff with uh, the star chips and all that. Uh, where you got to duel and get chips but you can lose them and stuff i think i think someone one of our listeners like figured that out and pointed it out and i was like oh that can't be it and it was yeah <laughs> definitely. Like, oh, holy shit. i mean oh no we were inspired by anime for the big uh-huh. anime adventure path who would have guessed <laughs> yeah i i jumped on because i wanted to do who a big sandbox and um... <laughs> and i made what i think is probably too big of a sandbox which was exactly my intent there's there's just too much there to do and i kind of wanted that to be the case because i think it'd be interesting to have people come back and gather after playing this adventure path and say hey what'd you find on danger island and have different stories yeah like i i loved it i love all the stuff on it there was stuff that we didn't get to that was pretty cool but the stuff that we did get to which was I wanted. I was really happy with that. I was amazed you were able to complete the side quest with all the shrines. That, I, that I, was I, so I saw fun. the first one, and I was like, "We will complete this, or I will die." Yeah, Dave <laughs> went out of his way to make sure that we all did that. My yeah. my favorite, one of my favorite things in um like fantasy media is like um gods and stuff because I find yeah. uh, religion both real and like fake really fascinating. Um, so the idea of like forgotten or like like forgotten gods like that was like really cool, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see more. <laughs> Plus, I just was like, I I know they're not real, but in my head, I was like, but they're lonely. You <laughs> <laughs> said. Um, I mean, like that was that was great, but that wasn't like actually. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about that quest very fondly. I've never seen anyone else finish it because they don't have a Dave on their team begging the party to go find it. Um, but because, like, um, you were talking about how Danger Island is nearly a too big sandbox, which I think is true and in a good way because yeah. there were like so many things that I missed when I was running through it. Um, like, we'll we'll go through some of these, but like, you have events that unfortunately, like, we didn't get to meet because it was like okay they're not going to have enough resources to get through this by the end of the day, or they have something else that I want them to do, or whatever. Um, there's, like, whole storylines that you can follow. Um, 
the we you briefly touched on the spooky towers. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We went into one of them, I think. Yeah, you went mm-hmm. into one and you're like that's too spooky, and you didn't go to the other. <laughs> it was um, trying to fucking bait us into like, it. Aside from that, there's like a whole load of things. There's a like a um, hidden village in the mountains. Like Danger Island Ooh. would be able to see uh, their own version of the story, completely different to how we played it. I think that's amazing. Oh, that's actually yeah. really good. Um, yeah, there's there's uh, specific like giant megafauna around that each have their own layer uh, mm-hmm. that you can find there's like a whole prison that you missed there's a lot of stuff it's it's fun to just throw in as much as i could and it i threw in more but it didn't fit so it got cut <laughs> oh my god there was even more than just this yeah okay wow. we're gonna have to touch back on that because that's stuff i'm interested in hearing about too i love <laughs> cut content <Please>. um <laughs> um but uh goodness my fo- my internet is killing kicking me in and out of uh, listening, so I'm just going to lean against Dave's headphones and listen through there. Sorry. It's okay. Um, but just like off the top of my head, uh, why don't we go through a few things that were in uh, Danger Island that mm-hmm. we uh, missed or changed or whatever. Um, I think one that I really liked, and I was so sad that the party didn't find it, was uh, was it Jaiban? Was that his name? The, the big um, flying creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? And like, uh, um, so <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I put in here came about because higher levels of play, there are fewer monsters. Mm-hmm. This is something I ran into when writing Age of Ashes Part 6, especially then because, you know, it, we only had the one bestiary. Hey, it turns out like 40 to 80% of the monsters at high level are just like dragons. You don't want to just mm-hmm. keep fighting dragons. <laughs> so what I was doing, uh, a lot of the monster layers that you encounter are existing creatures that i just scaled up to a higher level there's just like a regular turtle that i turned giant and now it's like a level 14 turtle and there's a stronger version of a t-rex that i applied a couple levels and stuff so one of these is uh what's that creature from bestiary three it's like a big screechy dragon thing uh starts with a k and it is called kanga uh, kongamo kongamo excuse me kongamato um so a big kongamato is normally level 11 like well that's cool and feels like it would fit on this big scary island but it's like not strong enough so i made it i don't know level 16 or something i can't remember right now Mm -hmm. um and just said hey this one has a layer here and also is gonna wreck your life if you run into it (laughs) (laughs) yeah like he flies around chasing you for a bit if you go through his space and then if you come back he really tries to kick your ass and he's like super high level compared to the party at that point oh god i love horrifying Mm -hmm. oh that could have had some <laughs> difficult party stuff going yeah. on there, huh? <laughs> Considering where our characters' arcs have gone since of, like, I will never lose to a monster ever. Um, that could have... Re- I actually <laughs> had really hoped you would go there because I was like, ah, some early angst. How delightful. Um, and you just didn't go into that uh, hex, which, you know, you did other things, so it's not, like, uh, a waste. Um, but, like, that was something I was like, okay, that'll be fun. That'll be an f- early way to introduce that plot line. Um, Another thing that I really liked was the Boggard uh, village, if you want to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, there's a village of Boggards. That's, that's about <laughs> it. Um, but they had these giant... There's, there's a lot of things I grabbed from Bestiary 3 because that was the book that was in production. And I thought, oh, hey, I get to steal monsters and use them. Like As soon as the book is out, people will, mm-hmm. will get to start using them. I have them in advance from working... At Paizo, I can see the, the working files. So it's a village of boggards, and the boggards themselves are no problem. You, you would have mm-hmm. been able to take them out. But they had like a pair of Mobogos, these giant like demon frog things that are huge oh, that God. guard the, the village. They're also like a mated pair, I think. I don't even yeah. know if this, this is a detail that came in, but like if one of them dies, the other one gets sad or something. Maybe that's a thing I wanted to put in but didn't have enough space for. But yeah, there's just a lot of big monsters you didn't run into, um, which... You know, so be it. That's fine. That's kind of the fun of it is you can talk about, we found all eight shrines and someone else will say, uh, well, we found the frog village. Cool. Mm-hmm. Then you can share those stories. And I think that was kind of the idea I wanted to set up as well. It's like camaraderie that you establish with the teams in the actual adventure, right? You, you get to meet Tina's toughest and all these other teams. Uh, but also outside of the adventure, if you talk to people about it, you can also have that camaraderie of like, oh, hey, we got to know Danger Island. You were there too. Cool. What'd you see? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's something I like really noticed when I was like, um, whenever I would compare notes with other GMs, um, 
for Danger Island or, um, you know, afterwards, it was like people would be like, oh, yeah, I heard you like finish all the shrines. That's really cool. I didn't get a chance to do that. But my party went and we saw the, uh, oh, my God, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Um, oh, God, there's so many things and I'm blanking. <laughs> um, oh, God, uh, it's like one of the team. Oh, my God, what are their names? Um, Galarian's Finest, the team yeah. of eight oh. people from around the world. Yes. Uh, they're great, and I'm. You found their base. Um, oh, you found their base, and it was like a, a team base with like loads of flags, oh. but they just happened to not be there at the time, oh. and unfortunately, you didn't go <laughs> get a chance to meet them afterwards because there were so many other teams that you were running into. There were a lot of teams, and I loved all of them. The ones, uh, well, I love all of them except for the light keepers, <laughs> <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, they didn't face Galarian's finest. I'm so sad about that. I love. I love. They, they were my nod to Street Fighter. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes sense. There's eight of them. They're from around the world. And if you ever check out their stat blocks, basically they each have a, a special ability from one of the Street Fighter characters. Oh, I, oh, love, I love that. that. That's mm -hmm. so good. Um, speaking of the Lightkeepers, um, this book has one of my favorite. Um, I'm actually pulling up the thing. Favorite sidebars, which is foreshadowing the Lightkeepers. Mm -hmm. And you wrote a whole load of different ways that the party can meet the lightkeepers for the first time and prove that they're just the worst. Well, and you gotta. There's even less time compared to other adventure paths. Like, um, I think the one we had was Free Feather, free feather where yeah. they're, they're kicking the ass of another team and they win and they give you the feather because they don't need it, right? Mm -hmm. But you have um, Darkest Hour, when the player characters get in over their heads, perhaps they run into a dinosaur den while low on resources, Sue Taknois and her pals just happen to wander in uh, by in time to see the character struggle. Rather than help, they stand uh, in amusement and offer snide remarks before moving on. Yeah, they, that, yeah that sounds like them. <laughs> that sounds like... that almost. That, that, I feel like that happened at the, the Opera House when we were playing later in the... Yeah, in book two. They, they, they do that. They like to watch and be like, we're not going to help because we're too cool. <laughs> Fucking so asshole. <laughs> They're such assholes. Yeah. And uh, Danger Island really like gets, because I think the darkest, uh, the, the offering of Feather Tang, I had not planned for it to be a team that the party had already met, mm -hmm. but that's just how it worked out. And I kind of mix it with the other one you had where they fight dirty. Um, but really, those two tips make you fucking hate those guys. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Very uh, like the, the only way that you would hate them more is if they, this all happened and they were also beating up Tina's toughest. Yes, uh, uh, I, I saved that one for um, book two. Yeah. I wanted because I, I I wanted them to really come to like Tino's toughest and think maybe they had a chance to win, but alas, Tino's toughest just isn't good enough. It seems you are a little a liar little. and a and a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you are the one that I would have. I they're the kind of team that reminds me of like when you're playing Sword and Shield. And the the rival hop, you're like, can I please just lose to these guys? This guy, actually, I'd like them to win, but you can't. I love them so much. It won't mm -hmm. let you. Um, I'm trying to find other. <coughs> I know, I know a thing that they missed. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Temple of Aurori, there's the big statue, uh, in the like open training area, the old man statue that they fight. Mm -hmm. But if they were cool enough, they could have been like, hey, we're buddies with Arori. Mm -hmm. Here's some Arori prayers. Or we even found, if they had explored correctly, not correctly, if they had explored other spots, uh, they could have found some holy symbols of Arori and then presented them to the statue. And the statue would be like, oh, cool, we're chill. And then just went back to sleep. <laughs> and then later, when all the terracotta soldiers are teleporting in, in the middle of the night, the statue would have woken up and helped you fight them. Oh that's my really god. Cool. Yeah, that's I true. I could have prevented getting my ass kicked. Um, you well, <laughs> didn't have to go down. Um, I, I remember originally, um, and this is uh, actually a mishap of mine, the terracotta soldiers, I think, aren't supposed to teleport into the base. This was not a creative decision I made. This is, I forgot. Sure, <laughs> whatever. It's, that's it's how your it game. Terms, though. Um, and then it made the party really paranoid. Like, they're not supposed to see the portal. They're just supposed to see the, um, the terracotta like, soldiers. Crawling over coming. the walls or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like climbing the walls of the place and like, you know, laying siege. Um, it worked out in the end, but like sometimes I wonder what could have happened if they had not realized that they were being portaled in immediately. I think you would have lost an interesting narrative point yeah. that I think you set up. Happy so. accidents. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm just, I'm just trying to see what other stuff 
they did find a Mogaru egg, uh, which yeah. they now know to be a Mogaru egg. Yes. Um, which I'm did, glad like, they, they figured out one just recently. I remember when they got to that point in the show, and I'm just like, oh, good. They at least know that something is a yeah, thing. Spoiler. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, they That was one of my favorite little things, and I, I could not let them leave Danger Island without seeing it, because it is such a fun one. Like, this mystery of, like, what the hell is that? And if you, like, look at all the signs and, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, it's, it's obvious that it's a, uh, a kaiju egg. But because you have no reason to think, well, you know, what? here's the telltale signs of a kaiju. You have no reason to do that. It's like, huh, big dinosaur that lives underwater. It's probably nothing. It's, it was probably nothing. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Um, ooh, what about the, um, the team that was forging fetters? <gasps> what? Yeah, uh, God, what uh, was her name? In the abandoned prison. Um, yeah, the prison that they never got to. Yeah, oh they never God. got to that prison, and I wish they had. <laughs> Um, what is it? The Trembling Meteors. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, I mean, that's about it. They're jerks. They were faking, uh, they were <laughs> forging some some feathers, thinking, oh, well, use these to get in, but Haojin is cool enough to know that, like, they have to have the magic to work, so. That, that would have been kind of funny to watch happen, though, I can't lie. It would have been. Um, but like I said, there's just so many things. Um, I remember, like, statting out the, because I think there's some, like, God, the whole island of Bunmu, every single hex on it has something in it. Yes, by design. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really... Which is, which is part of the reason I started coming up with those side quests. Like, I, I don't want to put just like a fight and everything. So mm-hmm. just, what, can, what can eat up a lot of space? Oh, uh, we'll come up with eight different shrines. We'll come up with four watchtowers and stuff like that uh, to get a chance to fill out some of those things. Actually, speaking of the shrines, um, what were your inspirations for those uh, deities? Because like they, they're like they're all very fun, and they all feel like they could be like true blue deities that people worship. Obviously, that's not the case. But like, no, they're, did you they're have real. Like, a particular place that you're inspired by for them, or what was the story there? Uh, a big part of the inspiration was I wanted them to each reward a buff of some kind. Which mm-hmm. I I remember you tweaking some of the buffs and thinking, oh, that's actually better than what I wrote. Uh, uh, hey, they're, they're a little more useful. Just misreading what they were and then coming back there, like, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> some of them were just a lot more useful and immediately like available compared to some of the things I I wrote in. Um, but yeah, I'm I was thinking, okay, what can there, there's got to be some kind of reward if you can't find all eight of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's give you a little uh, the the watchtowers. There is a, a big reward if you complete all four of them but that's fewer of them so i didn't feel so bad about not giving you as much Mm -hmm. but with these i wanted some kind of reward and then from there i was thinking up of concepts of what gods haven't covered yet in terms of like uh at the time i remember eleanor fair and the other developer on the lost domains line she's talked about a couple of times like oh there should be a god about cooking so Mm. that's why i made one that's all about cooks and feasts uh and you know some of the ideas the mechanical ideas inspired what they the gods would be so there's the god that's all about not getting lost you know marking stuff on your map and stuff because i thought that would be a nice you know little buff and that inspired oh okay that that will lead to maps and other stuff uh and then just some of them i just thought hey it'd be fun to have a god of comedy right we don't have that yet so it's it's a number of different inspirations Mm -hmm. because i don't have much space with those so i have to explain who these gods are with basically three sentences so uh, for example the there's a god of like chilling out and resting right um relaxation self-care and comedy mm-hmm. and the thing that you need to do to get the the buff is rest for 10 minutes there and then when you do so you get uh, your, your buff but that's three sentences total but i think you learn a lot by both learning that they're the god of relaxation self-care and comedy and the thing that they request of you is to take a break i think that's mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. uh hopefully it goes a long way to explain who these gods are because they're not going to show up anywhere else in this book maybe they'll they'll come back someday maybe enough people found the shrines in bon Mu, and then eventually we can bring them back as as proper gods that have been remembered and are being worshipped once more but at least in this adventure that's that's all the space i had to work with mm-hmm. well i love them i think they're i personally i think that they did that you did a really good job of making them feel like real because like yeah. obviously you didn't have a bunch of room to like write pages and pages of backstory or anything but i don't think that they needed them to uh mm-hmm. feel real it was really cool i loved those i loved that section so much <laughs> i mean like especially because they were gods that were lost to time it 
I'm going to go very full art history nerd for just a second here. <laughs> yeah. Um, But it reminded me of the mystery cults that you could find around, at the very least, Pompeii, of like mm. the mystery cult of Dionysus, the mystery cult of um, Isis. Like, you don't know a lot about them because you, they, you don't know their practices. Their practices were behind closed doors, and there's a reason why we don't know a lot about the murals in the um, the mystery cult of Dionysus because there are a bunch of different interpretations in our history. Do, is this an orgy or not? Like, <laughs> <laughs> is this something that has to do with decapitation? Probably, maybe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think just having like those few sentences um, really puts together like a, a a bit of mystery about like what goes on with these gods, how they were worshipped, and everything. I I thought it was very cool. I'm a yeah. I am a mythology fucking nerd. <laughs> You are, and I love you for it. <laughs> um, I'm going can I, to. Can I ask a question? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was go. everyone's favorite part on Danger Island? Oh. oh. oh God. Wow. Or well, one think... of your favorite. You okay. don't have to. Like... We have to rephrase <laughs> that question. What's your favorite part of Danger Island? That's not the shrines, David. Uh, I think you should die. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, give me a second to think about that. That um... fucking bird. I'm actually really curious to hear this too. Oh, that oh yeah. The, the, the bird that stole your stuff. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, oh my man. man. I hate that fucking bird. <laughs> I love him though. I was so excited when that idea came to mind. It's like, oh, what if this bird is just a jerk? <laughs> And I think a lot of other people liked it. I know James Case, who was one of the writers on the other adventures, always kind of brings it up that like, ah, yes, the Elder Cthulhu. I hate this thing. It's great. <laughs> the realist. And the rival. art of it is so good because it's like because Cthulhu's are a monster appear in other books, right? Um, but this one, not only is it like extremely obviously old, like it's got like silver eyes, like it's going blind. Its feathers are all gray, but it's also like holding that necklace in its mouth in the way I, I can't explain it except for like. It feels like it's giving you like a little middle finger as it's doing it. <laughs> exactly. It's very smug about the fact it has this thing. It doesn't need it except to be a, a jerk. <laughs> he lives in my brain. That's fair though. I do think generally my favorite part was probably um, the lightkeeper encounter. Uh, like I said, that that table I have so much fun with, and. It's just such a good way to introduce a team that you don't want to win, but the moment that you meet them, you're like, God damn it, they're gonna win, aren't they? Oh, I know what my favorite moment is. Yeah. Um, I like before anything starts when you meet Tino's toughest and they wanna they wanna fight before it's even like a a a battle for like a feather, I think. Like it's uh -huh. it's, it's like it's full on before um the actual tournament starts or the, the pre qualifiers. I really like meeting them. They're really they're really nice and I think it was a really good way to start it. Mm -hmm. To feel like it's like a um, because most other campaigns involve a lot of murder, um, just because of the nature of defeating bad guys, which is fine. I, I love that. But I think it was a really good way to be like, uh, you're not going to have to kill everybody or most people or anybody at all, really, if you, at least so far. Um, I don't think we've I, I don't think that uh, our party has killed anything except for like maybe a monster. Mm -hmm. You killed that Oni, but like. In fairness, oh, he had well, it coming. That he did was have it coming. a little necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really late at far into uh, before any kind of murder happened. So I think that having a, killed. the first encounter be an, a literal like friendly fight uh, was a really good way to 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 set the tone. And also, Tino's stuff is just perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel the first encounter of any campaign uh, should be kind of like a campaign in a bottle, if that makes sense. Like. Um, the first encounter in Extinction Curse, for example, is a circus performance. And that, like, gets you... Uh, but, like, there's stuff going on in the background. Like, oh, that yeah. kind of gets you set up for, this is going to be a circus adventure, but there are things happening on the side that aren't really involved and you don't really understand them. Um, the first encounter in Kingmaker is, there's bandits, go kill them. Um, <laughs> but in Ruby Phoenix, it really is, you are going to be fighting against other contestants, and they're going to be a little goofy, they're going to be a little silly, and you're going to love them all dearly. Um, and Tino's toughest. <laughs> you like all I, I don't know how other people play Tino. Um when I play him, I kind of give him like that fun uncle vibe of like Yeah. He doesn't he knows he's not the best, but he's here to have fun, you know, very power friendship style. Mm -hmm. They're just happy to be here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. Um, but uh, he's he really is the perfect first encounter for Ruby Phoenix. And I think um when it happened, Chuji and Masami weren't really sure what to make of him, I think. <laughs> 
Yeah. I just loved him. <laughs> I love him, but yeah. He's also because he's a is he a paladin or he is a paladin of Aurora, yeah. So I'm I'm already predisposed to love paladins. <laughs> um, I'm I I really like them. Um, so I was already like, oh, this guy rocks. Um, but I also just really like his like archetype of character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was happy. Um, I liked the was that I did I use the the, the soothing spring spell? Yes, you had. Yes, you did. Yeah, that was fun. I wasn't even planning on using that episode. I was planning on on googling and using it later to be like, hee hee. There's a there's a hot springs episode, but I was like, no, let's just do episode one <laughs> <laughs> right away. Oh my god, I feel like I'm kind of torn between um the stone markets and the encounter with all of the enforcers. Mm. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Both of those were really good. Stone. I remember reading Stone Marks being like, "Oh my god, this is the best way to have like random shops around. It's so much fun. It is really cool." We ended up. Well, I made sure that we ended up tweaking the Stone Markets just a tiny bit for the compiled release. Oh yeah, it's coming out now. Actually, <laughs> this is timely. <laughs> um, one thing I saw people asking questions about is like, "Oh well, what happens when we get runes for our weapons? We don't have enough time to because it takes a day to do that." Uh, so I made sure that in the entry for the stone markets and uh, the, the re-release, it mentions, "Oh, hey, Haljin put some hand wavy magic on on the stone <laughs> markets and can have a rune uh, applied or removed or whatever uh, within one hour rather than typical one day." So that's the, that's, Ooh, that's because, part of okay. being in a fantasy world. One of the yeah. things that you get from you know winning with Tina's toughest uh, that very first match is they give you some of those runes, the ghost touch runes. And normally you wouldn't have enough time to apply them. It's like, oh, if you run over to the stone markets, now you can. You can do that in an hour, and it's not a big deal. Yeah, I think so. And they're such they're so fun as well. Like, um, Hikari, the the because she's not the original guide. Um, you have a ghost eater in the original one, but um, by virtue of the Patreon cameo tier, uh, I had to like swap people out. I was so Hikari... confused when when you were naming the members of Tina's toughest. Like, That's not yeah. Right. What's going on? <laughs> like, who are these assholes? <laughs> <laughs> um. But her excitement over the stone markets was me very much so projecting because I was like, oh my god, you guys are going to love this. That's fair, though. <laughs> okay, I, I think this is more a question for Derry. But mm-hmm. what did you... Th- I, I've seen a lot of, like, confusion or even being like, well, this doesn't make sense. There's a bit on the third day where as you're making your way up with your ten feathers, someone attacks Jin and she dies. Mm-hmm. She gets disintegrated <laughs> away. Mm-hmm. what did you think when you first read that and i guess what did, what did everyone else think when that happened obviously i know what happened because you reacted and were you know mm-hmm. freaking out when she died but like the internal like reasoning of it personally yeah. i was like oh fuck yeah that's gonna be great um, <laughs> i read that and i was like well that is some anime stuff yeah i really liked that she was like yeah she's not killed um but she is like kind of taken out of it for a few seconds and um Later on, obviously, uh, in book two, it's revealed that, you know, Devil's Jews are, are in this one. Oh, God, they were called um, Fallen Moon, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fallen Moon originally, um, like in book two, they're turned into Jiangxi or someone else, if they were, you know, if they're not around, are turned into Jiangxi. So I kind of like used that as a way to be like, okay, someone left stuff around the island to give them a weapon capable of slaying Hao Jin. Um, because I know she's like a level bajillion sorcerer yeah so her fortitude save is probably normally pretty high um but like frankly i was willing to completely hand wave that for the sake of this is cool as hell <laughs> well that's that's my my intention with that I, I think a lot of people were confused like isn't she so powerful how could she just die from a single disintegrate right what's going on i wanted to show that she's so powerful she can die and just come back she's the ruby phoenix she will rise from the ashes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think there was a bit of confusion there with like she's supposed to be the super strongest what what's going on mm-hmm. well like, um, i think if you don't show that she can come back that's like some serious like missed foreshadowing because like when she's slaying she, yeah she turns into ashes and i think um ritz lou and dave you treat my, i don't know if you thought it was permanent but like um i was just in shock <laughs> <laughs> i think uh ritz you were like very much so taken aback by that right yeah i i think that i did think it was going to be permanent for like a good like while because <laughs> i wasn't sure what where the fuck you were going um uh, with that um i it, it it's very like anime trope to be like oh here's just like a very big uh, uh strong uh person and then bam they're dead oh uh, yeah and so i was like okay 
she either comes back or she's dead for fucking good. So <laughs> it's one of the two paths and I'm not sure which one we're on quite yet. Um, <laughs> but since I had a character that was like very much, uh, uh, this is my idol. I was more in the lane of like, oh my God. Oh my God, she's fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think setting up, she's Ruby Phoenix. She can come back from the dead. Is so important for later when that's kind of subverted at the end of book two, where it's like, I don't think you're supposed to see it in the end of book two. I think it's like star book three as written, but like I wanted a cinematic uh, end to book two um, where it's like, yeah, she is slain and then she's captured and that stops her from like coming back. Um, I think if that scene at the top of the mountain where she is slain hadn't happened, um, the story would be much weaker. So personally, I'm all for hand waving. Oh, she's got, she's leveled a billion. She has a high fortune. Say, Who cares? The laser took her out and she's turned to dust and that's cool as hell. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. If it's cool, I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 you are the the the, the biggest rule of cool. <laughs> yeah, sometimes met. GMs are like, "You got this rule wrong." I'm like, "I know, but it was cool." To say. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're a storyteller before you are a fan of the rules. Mm-hmm. It's a, one of those scenes I re- I sometimes do go back and listen to just for everyone's reaction. It's very fun. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, like, of fucking course, she's the Ruby Phoenix. Oh I yeah, just, just Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Looking through other things, and I, I as I was like flipping through uh, my notes, um, I did remember. Uh, I think this the these guys' favorite team, as well as um, a lot of our listeners' favorite team. Uh, can you tell us about Hannah's hundred? Oh God, I love. Oh, yeah, sixty-three <laughs> <laughs> so, or something. <laughs> um, in addition to Galarian's finest, which was Street Fighter reference, I was mm-hmm. just trying to grab as many like tropes. Uh, and references to other material uh, wherever I could. One of the things that got cut is there was like a lone wandering samurai that would show up. <gasps> oh, that's sick. Challenge you, so but good. says, hey, if you want a real fight, I want to just duel one-on-one. Uh... If you do one-on-one, he would offer up three feathers. If you wanted to fight him with your team, he would say like, oh, okay, well, if it's the team, I'm only going to give you one feather. That's um, so cool. Damn. That's and fun. if you, regardless of whether you win or lose, he'd just be like, hey, thanks for the fight. And then he'd walk away and then he'd just leave. <laughs> you never um, see him again. Yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with that. <laughs> um, but Hannah's Hundreds is a reference to the Crazy 88 from Kill Bill Volume oh, 1. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Who, who is, uh, you know, a big gang that purports to have 88 members, but they actually only have like 30. Uh, <laughs> so that was the whole idea with, with Hannah's Hundreds. Uh, it's like, oh, they, they have a lot of people. They say they have hundreds of them. There's like 40 of them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was part of it. Another thing was I wanted to learn the troop rules. So I had mm-hmm. to make a troop and, and do that. But I, uh, there's a third thing that was, um, when do you meet them? Day two? Yeah, day two. If you hadn't run into a team that was uh, you know, pretty big quite yet, or, or just like two people, I wanted to show you that, hey, how Jin is picking teams that aren't just like, groups of four so you can expect or, or not expect like to just keep running into oh groups of four group of four group of four Lightbringers of four because you know one for each pc and same with tina's toughest right uh but beyond that it's like i want to show you that there's so many different sizes of teams that there was the extremes or hannah's hundreds in this lone samurai that didn't make the cut and then i just thought it'd be really goofy because i imagining dozens of people trying to win by just like dogpiling and that's, that's how you win. <laughs> yeah that, that one also got, i think that's one of my favorite teams like i saw that when it was happening and this was like when troop rules were new as well like yeah. um i don't think the party had bought a proper troop in any camp i think at the end of extinction curse i like put one in but it wasn't a very challenging troop because you were level 20 at that point yeah so. at, at that point we were all very very strong and it was um i feel like it's different to fight something at level 20 than to fight something at like the beginning of a campaign mm-hmm. um so hannah's hundreds not only were they the funniest team but they were also like generally pretty challenging to overcome mm-hmm. but like aside from that there are like a lot of teams that uh were either i didn't have a chance to put in or um obviously ones you've caught like you said um mm-hmm. like there's the cloud jesters who um i had originally been going to but like they ran out of time on day one and i was like oh that's fine um I think that's the team that was like mid attack and you can try to rescue them yeah they were being right. attacked by something like a giant monster yeah. um and you could like go save the day make sure but that they if were you all take right. too long they're just dead 
<laughs> yeah. There's like a couple of teams that can like just straight up be dead and killed. Dear God. It's, it's, that's why it's called Danger Island. Yeah, it's not like walking to Park Island. Um, <laughs> there was um, a monster that I was so sad that they didn't come across was... Um, the lake one? It was the one that can pretend to be an island. I think yeah. it's <laughs> Yeah. Um, let me pull it up. I'm scrolling to find its name now. Uh, Beberoka. Yes, yes, that's right. They, yeah, they're... I forgot what... I think you said Korean. I don't, I don't remember which uh, mythology they come from. But the whole thing is that they can drink up entire lakes worth of water. And then just like lay down in the middle of a lake pretending to be an island. <laughs> and you would show up and find a dry lake bed. Like, what's up with this? And they'd wake up and then spit the water at you and knock you over uh, and try to eat you. And you've, yeah, you find like a dead team uh, like on the floor, but they also have like their fetters, I think. And it's like this mission of like, oh, we could take the fetters and leave. That's but, so messed up. But we should probably bring these people back to life. When I had a lot of fun like reading over, and you guys came very close, so I think you like went to the thing adjacent, and I was like, "Please go south, please go south, please go south," <laughs> and you didn't, which is fair. One I'm uh, tangentially curious about is mm -hmm. uh, the Anugobu. Um, we ha you oh, had yeah. a little um, assistant in the temple, uh, Amatar. Uh -huh. Yep. Um, but the Anugobu as a whole, like they're very fleshed out. Like you were a lot on them. Um, what was the inspiration behind that? Because I like you have them down as um, Minatan uh, folklore. And I tried to find out more about them, but I couldn't. And I'm really curious to see, like, was it something like, you know, just kind of made up uh, on the spot? Or, like, what, what went into making these guys? Because they're very fleshed out. So there are a couple of different myths in different cultures. The one that immediately comes to mind is Menehune from Hawaiian uh, okay. mythology, which is just, there are little guys, right? <laughs> they, and they, they sometimes live reclusive lives. But because, and that was actually a request from, from my developer, from Patrick, Hey, put in, a, put in one of these little dudes. And <laughs> I considered originally grabbing Menehune from, from mythology and just straight adopting them as is. But two things, one with Bonmu and the other islands of Minata, kind of inspired by Southeast Asia and you know, um, the Philippines and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's not the, as direct of a match as I would like. Um, and the other thing I was running into is, why is the Temple of Arori not just like in disrepair? Why is it still okay? Mm -hmm. what's going on with that and i wanted an explanation for that oh what if there's someone that's there that's fixing up the place and that's where i came up with all right we'll take the little dudes menehune and other uh mythology and kind of create the own unique mythology for uh galarian where they come up with uh or they, they find their specific masterpiece that they want to work on and amatars happens to be the temple of Aurori, so he's been hanging around and can fix everything up and that explains why oh, the beds are still here, so we can sleep on them. Uh, <laughs> or there is a little guide that you can meet uh, that he can tell you, oh, here's all the stuff in the temple, so you can kind of explore it. it. The temple itself is its own little sandbox. If you really wanted to, you could avoid every danger in the temple and just walk to the side door and get into the bedroom and just only crash out in the dormitory the whole time and not have to deal with anything after grabbing the feathers. Oh, my God. Uh, um, <laughs> And the feathers intentionally were also placed in such a way that, like, everything was within reach of uh, Mage Hand. So you never had to enter rooms if you didn't want to. Oh, that's fun. It, that, it, if it became a point where, like, hey, we don't know how to deal with this haunt or whatever, you can at least grab it uh, and get out of there without having to you know, reactivate the haunts again. So I wanted to make it possible so you could get everything. Uh, if you were, uh, you know, too scared or, or it found it impossible to, to grab everything without limiting you from actually engaging with Danger Island, because you need the three feathers and the, the necklace to, to get it. Um, but I didn't want to lock out people based on the fact that they had you know, the wrong composition of team or whatever. Because mm -hmm. it, it is entirely possible. Like, if you went in with like three monks, you know, and none of them are able to hurt ghosts, you're in a spot of bother. That's fair. That's, so, that's actually fair. It's... Yeah. Yeah, the temple as well was really, really fun, the design. Um, the, especially the lore you did with the Broken Rebus stuff, that was yeah. really fun. Like, I really enjoyed uh, running that. I, I wanted to make sure there was some story worth uh, exploring the entire temple for. Um, and also to explain, in part, why the temple was relatively intact, right? Like, if people, if it was abandoned, you know, why did no one else come in? Well, it ended up being cursed because of that. Um, and you know, just kind of give you something else to do uh, while you're clearing it out, rather than just all right, like, let's do eight fights in a row that to yeah, adhere like, to anything. Let's give you some we, kind we of story. We this room into the next, you know. Yeah. 
Um, and there's like so many. Here's the thing: is that we literally could spend like hours upon hours upon hours, like going through everything. Because like happy you didn't just so. write the front <laughs> writing. Uh, you I wrote, wrote literally everything, everything in that book. Wow! Every, every single word in that book is mine. Which is crazy, frankly. Except it's a lot of work. Technically, there's like a, the preview for the the rest of the AP in there that Patrick wrote. But if you go to the credits, like I'm the only name there. That is wild. So sick. Uh, I don't recommend doing that. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, a a fun challenge once. Because um, if memory serves... I've now had to do it a second time. Uh, was this early pandemic or what? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was early oh, pandemic God. when I was writing this. I mean, I guess it was something to kill the time, but wow. <laughs> um, you also have a lot of the um the eight teams uh, that like do get through. Yeah. Um. Well, the other seven teams. Yes, the other seven teams. That's right, because your team is always going to be one of them. Yeah. Um. Do you want to talk about any? Because like I've obviously ended up changing like a good few things, uh, for the Patreon cameo thing. But like the work you have here as well, especially um. The one I'm saddest about, but like I'm happy, you know, with what I ended up doing. But Ernak Lostwind is such a cool fucking character. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, it was a collaborative process. There mm -hmm. were three authors for this adventure path, obviously, uh, me, David, and Ross, and James Case. And while we were in the process of writing it, we needed to know who these teams were because they're going to show up in all three parts, which I mm -hmm. think is one of the really the greatest strengths of this adventure path is you're going to get to know these teams um, and be with them the entire time. And you'll see, you'll see in, in that third adventure. Um, I'm not going to mm -hmm. go into spoilers, but I know what you're referring to. <laughs> um, the thing is, um, it was my adventure that would like first introduce them because of the fighting roster uh, back matter. And if I had more space, I, I would have, also tried to put them into the adventure but i thought it was maybe better that they don't show up because then we don't have we don't run the risk of any pc group accidentally kicking out you know like the arms of balance because they took all their feathers uh, <laughs> you, you ended up introducing them in, in in your playthrough which i thought was great i'm glad that you did that but i didn't want to i wanted to guarantee that they would at least make it to to the actual tournament itself but yeah um the whole idea at talking about them was first finding different spots from all over the world to represent i could have just put seven teams from Tiansha and that would have been it. Mm -hmm. But it being the Ruby Phoenix tournament, it drives draws people from everywhere. So I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. well, we have a bunch of different continents. Let's at least touch each of those once, except Sarasun, because you know that thing. Sarasun is an eternal you, enigma. You can't do that. Um, so I don't got... even know about that. <laughs> Sarasun is fantasy Australia, and everyone who goes there loses their memories of it and leaves. <laughs> well, hold on. Here's the thing. I don't think we should be representing it as fantasy Australia anymore. It happens to like sit in that part of the world if you like map it to the real world mm -hmm. but the fact that uh the intent of uh Sarasan is it's so mysterious it's the ultimate blank slate if you want to keep playing in galarian and want to use our gods and our cosmology and all that stuff you can do so but this is a spot where you can homebrew without worrying about messing oh, anything else up that's, that's really so cool. cool i like that a but lot if we say that's australia we can never have australian stuff and that's true would be kind of you know what that is that is very true iris uh, it's fantasy something it, it's your fantasy homebrew zone uh it's it's the, the special you... island you unlock at the end of final fantasy 14 and you can you know do whatever that's the heck where, you want that's where i'll be homebrewing in the the trolls from homestuck don't do that. <laughs> there you go. oh my uh, <laughs> that's why everyone loses their memory <laughs> they don't um, want to remember i would love to get stuff from australia and new zealand and other you know oceanic mythologies and, and stuff and put that elsewhere in the world it won't be a direct analog the way that you know garoon is africa and mm -hmm. tianxia is asia and stuff you know it, i wasn't there when this when galarian was being created if it were i would say hey throw one more continent in and that can be australia and then we can also keep the mysterious homebrew zone i think uh, it available. would be even funnier if just like a if a continent just appeared out of nowhere <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah that'd be fun it's a, it's a very galarian thing to happen right where um, guys come from <laughs> but you know I, I think we can put that stuff kind of scattered throughout the world in places mm -hmm. um not in the inner sea right now, obviously, because that's already kind of established. But if we explore other parts of the world, I would hope to be able to grab, you know, all these other mythologies and put them in. Uh, oh, yeah. And then there's also the cultural considerations that come with it. I know mm -hmm. Aboriginal stories are such that, like, there's a lot that comes with that. Uh, but, you know, at the very least, I don't want to lock off Australia forever just because oh, yeah. I said that was a, the mystery zone. That would be kind of rude to our fans down there. Um, 
but the the different parts of the world different teams of course that means i get to grab an arcadian team um yeah part of the fun uh was knowing that strength of thousands was coming so i intentionally wrote a team from the magambia that later once ron lundin who was a developer for that adventure uh or for that adventure path and eleanor who was writing the first one learned that hey i wrote a magambia uh team like oh cool you wrote an NPC for us, so I don't have to write it already. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember him showing up in book one of uh, Strength of Thousands, uh, Iowari, yeah. and, uh, oh. which I'm running uh, for as a home game with some other people. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so much fun being like, hey, it's this guy. I can just use the same token and the same voice, and I don't have to do any more work. Yeah. Uh, he, runs, he, runs his own, um, he runs his own fighting tournament in it, um, which is very fun. I had a lot of fun with uh, how that one worked out. Um, IOR is great. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then from there, uh, once I had picked, you know, where's where are people going to come from in the world? Let's come up with a different gimmick of sorts for each of the fighting teams, or at least different fighting styles, right? So um, the Steps of the Sun, right there. The the, the idea there is that like they were from the Blush My Jungle and uh, had to deal with kaiju and, and stuff and beast singer just seemed to evoke an idea of like what they might be able to do mm-hmm. uh, the uh who's arms of balance being you know the four elements uh stuff like that um and some of it was also well i'm not actually statting these up i get to just make up whatever <laughs> um, and someone else has to stat them up and that was david in the second adventure but i was just trying to come up with like what would be interesting ideas that maybe if we get the chance, could be expanded into their own like archetypes or fighting styles or even entire classes, right? Like the idea that um, that half elf from the Arcadian team uses his soul to generate arrows. What does that mean? I don't know, but maybe that's the thing you can play with later on. Mm-hmm. Um, making uh, Yarika a, a stand user, basically. Yeah, grandfather. <laughs> um, I'm so glad that I didn't have to change anything for because, like, obviously, it's not that I dislike things I made. I love the changes I made, but. Sometimes it's looking at the old original versions being like, wow, these were really fun as well. Like um, Steps of the Sun are basically a completely different team aside from like the singing and dancing part. Um, but uh, the Biting Roses are completely as written and I love them all so much. We love Yarika so much. She's Yarika, great. Yarika, my fucking beloved. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was also... Um... One thing I wanted to do was uh, artists, uh, the half elf, is just to show like, oh, there are also elves in Arcadia. The mm-hmm. end. Like mm-hmm. that's the, the only reason he made him a half off. I think it's like, oh, I don't have a half off yet. Let's put him in Arcadia. <laughs> um, and going to Winter's War because you mentioned Ernak. Um, another thing I wanted to do is like explain why these teams get picked. What makes them so cool or so strong that they can actually show up? And it's like, well, th- this group is all about slaying Linorm and wanting to be a Linorm king. They must be mm-hmm. really tough, and that that earns the, their spot. Um, the Magambia being effectively, hey, this is our uh, our like. <laughs> senior thesis <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's why we're here um you know just coming up with kind of interesting reasons why people show up rather than just like i want to be strong or i want all the money that Jin has mm-hmm. i love all the teams that uh, were made they felt that they, they felt almost like they were all pc teams like mm-hmm. you could if you had wanted to just picked one of them and just played those guys that'd be interesting if someone actually decided to do that sometime i'd love to see that um, I know personally one thing is one of the teams that uh, I put in with Patreon cameos, but I kind of like was, I, it was robot a little because uh, in the Patreon cameo thing, I was like, and this is a team you could uh, put people on, was um, Touch the Stars, which were a space yeah. teamed team. <sighs> and the reason being is um, in the player's guide, it suggests like some wacky places that your characters could be from, including, um, you know, from the Darklands or from uh, Sarasan, or from space. And I was like, let's have some Starfinder rep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the alien stuff. I, yeah. love, I love that Galarian's world also includes, like, more than just Galarian, like, the whole planet. Like, not the planet. Like, the whole, like, universe or whatever. I think that's fun. Mm-hmm. I love that, that elves are aliens. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. it was pretty cool. Plus, I love androids, so... <laughs> I have a thing that I can okay. bring up, I guess. Uh, another mm-hmm. like cut encounter. Okay, um, hit me. I'm excited. Which was a, a social encounter on the end of day two. Um, the idea is that once, like near the end of the day, if you use one of the teleport towers, you come outside and there's just a bunch of teams hanging out chatting. The The area immediately outside of the towers are like no fight zones. So you, know, you can't fight. But the, um, the whole thing was... Uh, 
a chance to basically do a boasting contest. <laughs> oh. There were like three other teams and it's just like, hey, tell us your best story about what you've been doing here or or you know when you fought before coming to the island and i think there was a, a not um uh silver feather up for grass just up and like put uh, a pool of treasure together like hey best story wins and there was a whole like little subsystem for that uh-uh. um, which would have been fun because i wanted to have some of these encounters be not combat yeah you got a lot of combat yeah um and the other thing is there was like the one of the hexes is hey this is the enforcer base and if you go there, this doesn't happen anymore, but if you go there, you basically had to do an extreme fight, like tough level enforcers would show up and beat the crap out of you and say, hey, get out of here. <laughs> but if you manage to win, this is my nod to like ruby weapon, emerald weapon, like high level secret boss fights. Uh, if you manage to win, they'd be like, oh, actually, okay, well, get out of here. But here's a, a reward for, for beating us. And they would have given you an apex item. Ooh. Ooh. That's oh, that's and, very fun. And then said, if you come back again, you're disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's that's the reward. So much I love like, that. Hey, if you if you go out of your way to find the toughest fight on the island, because this would have been tougher than anything you would have fought, even at the the end of the adventure, you you get a, a a reward for it. That didn't make the cut. I get why it didn't make the cut. That's really dangerous. But like, yeah, it's Danger Island. You'll run into dangerous stuff. Mm-hmm. I really, t- I don't know if you're like even able to, but like it would, I think a lot of people would be like crazy interested to see like a Pathfinder Infinite title with like all the co- content being like, you can just that throw these I in if you do, want. Unfortunately, oh. um, once since that was all part of my turnover, Paizo officially owns that. So oh, Paizo might enough, decide to enough. eventually put Man. that out, but like I can't like turn around and reuse that content. But I can tell you what I wrote and then you can come up with your own version of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. People at home listening to run your own version, keep those in mind because those are really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, as we uh, hit the end of this episode, I want to say thank you again so much, Luis, for coming on the show. It was so so good to have you. Mm-hmm. Um, can you can you get tell people where to support you? Where like you know uh, what kind of stuff you do other than uh, your big time like writing job for Paizo, <laughs> uh, whatever. Well, other than working at Paizo, I write for Paizo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get to do freelance, so um, I have material coming out soon uh, in the. Two months from now, Lost Omens Firebrands. I wrote a bunch of stuff for that. So that'll be fun. Dave just started uh, trembling in excitement. Uh, he, is, he literally started punching the air a little bit. That oh, book nice. has a lot of great art, let me tell you. I'm going to have paranoid. Look forward to that. Um, I've also got an adventure coming out in a few months, actually. Uh, the Stolen Fate Adventure Path mm-hmm. is happening after the current Adventure Path that's currently releasing. So we're in Gatewalkers now, and that's a 1 to 10 Adventure Path. And then immediately after, start Stolen Fate, and that's 11 to 20, focused on the Harrow deck. I write the final adventure there. Uh, the, uh, what's it called? Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the adventure. Let me open it up real quick, and I can tell oh, you. The Worst of All Worlds. I worst of All Possible Worlds. That's yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's a fun name. It's such a good name. Um, and that is an interesting adventure. I won't get into it too much, but I had a lot of fun deep dives, and I really love the Harrow, so I was excited to to get that there. And it it's an interesting situation. There's a lot of, um, there's a bit of uh, globe trotting in that one, so you get to see some new spots that you've never seen before. Okay. Uh, beyond that, I also just have a website louisloza.com where i kind of try to post stuff about me or at least that'll get you links to where else i am on the internet i also just am goofing around on twitter or on discord or wherever you'll find me uh and yeah there you go come come talk to me if you want to uh ask me questions about the game or the setting i won't necessarily have every answer for you but i'll definitely try to respond about stuff if you ever see me online uh-huh. uh otherwise yeah i'm just hanging out in seattle living the good life (laughs) (laughs) it's fair well thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me and uh hopefully one day we'll see more of your adventures on the show oh yeah yeah wink wink nudge nudge all right (laughs) and uh thank you all and uh have a great rest of the day everyone
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.